And welcome, everybody. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. It is great to be with you. Good Monday. I hope you had a great weekend. Fun to be back at it today as Florida State gets done with the scrimmage over the weekend. We'll touch on some of that. And back at practice today where we just came from. This week they head to Jacksonville. A lot going on. Preseason football getting underway fully. Obviously, uh, Mets take care of the Braves, Tom. Dominant fashion. Nearly a complete sweep. Uh, just an ass kicking. Wait a minute. That made the lead today? But that was your choice, not right. mine, sir. It was my choice just because it was funny. Boy. That was the last chance they had to be competitive in the division. Now that's over. My man. Yeah. Thank I did, you I did very that, much. did that for you, buddy. Did that for you. The coaches poll. Hey, everybody. The coaches poll. That's right. It's out. Coach's poll is out. <laughs> Woo! Pete Rose back in the news. What a guy. What a guy. Still uh, the same after all these years. <laughs> Man. Did you know, right before we came on the air, uh, all that stuff, we'll get to FSU in a moment, I saw where uh, I, I was just going through some NFL numbers because soon enough, all of the preseason games will be underway and we'll celebrate together, but... Uh, it's it's not a secret that Justin Tucker is an all-time great kicker. Did you know that my man has made 57 straight field goals in the fourth quarter slash overtime? I did I, I, that. That was not in the lead. I just saw it and put it out because I couldn't. I had to double check it. I'm like, that's just not possible. 57 straight made field goals in fourth quarter slash overtime for that dude. That's almost as impressive as what the Mets did to the Braves over the weekend. <laughs> almost. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, you know, I think you're always going to want to hear that, you know, both sides had uh, moments in time uh, that w- you know, made them shine after a scrimmage. You know, that's and, and, and you, Coach Norvell is going to say those things when he when he meets the press late on a Saturday evening. He's going to talk about. Guys that chimed, he'll be vague in a lot of ways. Most coaches are. That's just typical. He'll talk about some things that he really liked and some things that need a lot of work. That happened. I, it wasn't surprised to see that. And um, I just like that it sounded like uh, at varying points the offense had some success, and then you turned around and um, <laughs> I see I see the folks in uh, the chat. You know you're a fan of the JCS when you exclaim the coach's poll. Yes, I know. So, <clears throat> long story short, we got the uh, kind of uh, obligatory, well, I thought the offense had its moments. I thought the defense had its moments. I thought that uh, so-and-so played well. I thought there was room to grow. And the problem is, guys, for those of you asking, we're not able to go to the scrimmage. We can't tell you a damn thing. We can tell you what the coaches said. You can watch that yourself. You can on Warchant TV. I'm not trying to pretend anything other than, hey, he seemed to think that some guys obviously made an impact, including Span. And I will say at today's practice, Span uh, did what Span does. He had a moment or two where you go, okay, that's a lot further along than we expected. And then he had a couple drops right in his hands on the subsequent rep. But I will say he's a lot further along, and if what – Mike Norvell is saying is true that he shined to varying degrees in the scrimmage 
Well, that's huge because that's a much more competitive environment. That's a much more game-like situation, and they're going to need him to step up and play well. I do believe he's going to have to play a part for this receiving core to take a big step forward because I don't think the other guys um, can do some of the things he can do. Yeah, it's in multiple facets because it was brought up in the scrimmage they went live on kick returns, and, and Deuce was a player there as well. Yeah, it's just yeah, That was a first guess. We could tell that in practice week, you know, over a week ago. He is confident. He's much more confident than he was in spring. You can tell the game is slowing down for him. And the thing that I see, which is I didn't know if it was 100% going to happen, of the few catches you got to see on tape on a TV broadcast at Illinois, he does have some hands to him now. It's not an athlete trying to play wide receiver and you just got to hope that the speed wins out. There's a little bit more refinement to what he brings to the table. Natural hands that can catch the ball away from the body. A lot of guys that are athletes who are going to try and play receiver it might bounce off their chest pad because they're catching it into their body he's doing that with more consistency so does that mean that he's a starter I don't think so but does it mean that they might have to make sure he gets out on the field most weeks I think they do I think it's getting to that place and that's exciting well I I guessed right from the start of practice uh when we saw the the different guys that were fielding kicks that he could help you in, in special teams in that way because he can really run and if he can catch the ball consistently, you feel pretty good about him. He's a big kid. So that stands to reason. It's good to know that that's blossoming and maturing. And, and I thought, well, very least at the very least, you'll get that out of him. But if he becomes a more polished route runner and makes plays down the field to boot and you have certain packages that you can run for him um, and, and help kind of keep defenses <clears throat> honest, then, yeah, I think it, it, it's probably probably more than we would have guessed at the start of camp without getting into too many details. And I think that's where that's trending. I think that's the best way to say it. It's trending towards him having a larger role within the segment group than we would have guessed to start coming off of the spring into the fall. We would not have guessed that to be likely. So that's exciting. And it's not like he's needing to climb over six dudes who are entrenched and polished receivers on the depth chart. So if he can contribute with any consistency – uh, this is not that type of situation. You don't have Rashad Green, Kelvin Benjamin, and Kenny Shaw to climb over. I wish, I wish it was going to be uh, Everest that he was trying to uh, climb, but uh, but alas, it's not. So uh, I just care about like seeing this next a person who can kind of change the dynamic of that group. Uh, you know, I, I think it's interesting, Mike. If we focus on today, because we were at today's practice, and you know his messaging afterwards. You know, this is the hard part of camp. And so for people who, who you know, you, we're all excited. So are the players when things first start. It's very easy to have that energy. It's very easy to be pumped up and get after it because you're a football player and you're about to play football, and that means the season's nearly upon you. And if you're one of these guys who's really competitive, then here we go, right? And then that heat hits you. And then the layers hit you. It's the day-in, day-out monotony of it. It's looking across the line at the same guy you looked at across the line from yesterday and the day before and the day before, and it's not a competitor. It's not LSU or Duquesne or anybody like that. It's the same buddy that you've been locking horns with from get-go. And you get worn down because the bumps and the bruises begin to catch up with you now. So I'm not surprised to hear on this the week they go over to Jacksonville. 
that Mike is challenging them to fight through these doldrums, camp doldrums. Everybody gets them. It's perfectly normal. It is arduous. Football is hard. It is hot as Hades in the state of Florida. It is humid every day. There is no relief to maintain a level of intensity and focus and toughness, both physical and mental, is very difficult to do. But I think that your better teams are able to do it more often than not, and that is what he's challenging them to do. And we'll see. We'll see. You know, I think he said uh, his quote was, <clears throat> pull it up right here. Obviously, we talk about it. You can see it on WarChant TV. You can see the footage of Mike talking about that, amongst other things, that it's identity week. Um, this is the grind. Practice 10 goes in. We'll know who we are by Saturday, was the quote. I wrote that down from him post-practice. I thought that was interesting. He, you know, I, I don't know if that's completely true. I'm not accusing him of lying. I, I think it's an oversimplification, perhaps. But he's trying to get across to them. We're watching very closely how you react this week, how you practice, how you prepare, the intensity that you play with, even though we know it's the grind, it's the tough part of it all, we're watching closely. Who fights through this and puts themselves in a position uh, either to elevate their place on the depth chart, gain more reps, or, or solidify their starting position? Yeah, it's six straight days, including the scrimmage on Saturday. I would assume, and this is my assumption, I don't know this for a fact, but tomorrow and Thursday are going to be you know full padded practices because you want to give them a chance to recover in between. Maybe Wednesday, probably not, though. You definitely don't want to go full pads on Friday ahead of the scrimmage on Saturday. So tomorrow, I feel like there's more of a crescendo. Today was, mm -hmm. all right, let's get through it. Obviously, you might be a little banged up and bruised up from the scrimmage, but let's recalibrate and go. But, yeah, I think there are going to be some doldrums. And also, I mean, Mike has talked about it on the record, so we can bring it up, the shuffling of personnel up front on the offensive line. You're putting some younger guys some true freshmen, as he said today, running with the ones during the scrimmage, that's also going to short-circuit your evaluations and maybe the vigor that a defense would play with because the challenge is not consistently there compared to the way it would be if we were running out everybody and it was full steam ahead in the trenches. So that's the other thing you got to battle mentally, too, is to fight through that, that even though this is not reflective of the way you want the lineup to look, certainly against LSU, then you got to make sure that you're still locked in. So that's what they're going to check the film for, probably more than anything else. It's to see who's loafing around and who's not. I think true that um, you know when you're when you're shuffling personnel and you're attempting to cross train guys, find out where a guy's at if he's thrown into the fire. I mean, they obviously do not expect Julian Armella to start at left tackle. So when when he's running with the ones that's not because they think he's a starter but they want to see how he responds in those situations and they put a lot of guys in those situations armella most notable cuz he referenced him today but when you put guys in that situation you can accelerate their timeline you can see where they're at mentally and physically but obviously it, it's also very difficult to find any continuity when you're in the midst of doing that so i think in reference to shuffling players it's a give and take it's um you know, six and one, half dozen the others. Six of those are positive, six of those are negative because you're going to find out that certain guys aren't suited for a certain role, but that's a lost rep for the team, right, not for right. the player. Uh, it's, it's, it's not a smooth series-to-series -series transition when you're doing something like that, and yet it can be an absolute necessity. So I think that's what he's describing there. I'm reading between the lines a little bit, both from the scrimmage and then today's practice, how – when you're doing that, you're trying to find answers. You're trying to find answers to significant questions, but you're also short-circuiting other aspects of the scrimmage or the series or whatever it might be um, because uh, guys are going to get blown up by a veteran defensive player or guys are going to 
feel like a fish out of water, not be comfortable in the role, and make some mistakes, make some poor choices, those kinds of things. So, uh, you know, it's part and parcel of the practice. That's what camp is. It's it's fine. You know, you'd rather do that now than in a game at an you know at a, an emergency, throw yeah, a guy in there into a situation that he's never played in before. Uh, you know, you, you don't want to do that. But it also makes it hard for us to read what happened. Uh, you know, you can hear. I mean, he's going to tell you what he wants to tell you. There's no getting around that when you're not at a scrimmage. You're at the mercy of what he's going to tell you. There's nothing wrong with that, but that's just the nature of the beast. That's how that works. So when you guys ask me specific questions or any of us specific questions about a player and a position during the scrimmage, we don't have it. We don't have that answer other than what Mike said, other than what he said after the scrimmage, which, and, is, which isn't a lot. And Well, again, because of the limitations, I think, up front, it's, just, it's, hard, to, it's hard to give that more weight than what we see when they go good on good day-to-day in practice. You know, if, if they were full strength... I'd be a little bit more pissed, <laughs> you know what I mean, about what happened in the scrimmage. But he is offering that up for us to consume. So, therefore, I think, again, it's a limiting factor in how what their takeaways are and how strong their takeaways are. But the good news is, again, you got six practices this week. One of them is the scrimmage on Saturday, but five in a row, and we'll have reports on every single one of them. And I will bet you that tomorrow they're gearing up for. I think that's got to be a full padded practice with a little bit of extra something to it. If I come at it from the fans' standpoint, and obviously everybody is clamoring for information about where we stand, what's our status, how close are we, um, I can understand frustration because if you have players that aren't participating for whatever reason, um, you want to know when they are going to because nothing changes until that happens. And we don't have an answer for that. We don't have an answer for that, and I wouldn't venture a guess. It's not my place to do so. Uh, I can't even wink, wink, nod, nod at the camera there. I don't know. None of us do. We don't We don't know with certain guys uh, how many practices they're going to miss or, or for how long and for what reasons. Well, what we can say, though, is, is that Mike offered up last week that he doesn't believe any of these particular issues are serious. I would say, at least at this point, I'm in agreement with, with that dig. From, I, think that's, I think that's right. Yeah, I hope. I mean, I wouldn't know. I, I, yeah, I see guys out there if that's what you're saying. Right. Well, it's during the observable periods, the early portion. Right, right, right. You know? yeah, yeah. So they're there. They're out there. Yeah. Um, 54 was out there today during the observable portion. No, but portion. I, I, think, I think, yes. But I think if we're being genuine with everybody, I mean, Winston Wright's out there too. Winston Wright's not suiting up Saturday against Duquesne when that game is played. Oh, uh, sure, yeah. Well, okay, he's not playing. You know, so, so But his so, particular recovery was not termed as nothing serious. Obviously, that was of, of great seriousness. I'm just saying, people hear that, they're like, yeah, but so is so-and-so, so-and-so, so, you know, and, they, and they're like, well, when is it? You know, I, I think that everybody begins to hand-ring right now, and that much is clear with wild speculation across the board, on boards in general. Uh, I think that, that, that that's apt. But this is also the week that you need to be extra cautious too because yeah. if you're going six days in a row yeah and it's yeah. contact all six days it might not be full pads all six days but i mean especially in the trenches you're getting after it if there's something wrong back off there's there's nothing good about winning a participation medal for six right. days in a row this week oh, no, no. if you're not going to be available yeah. Yeah. you know you've got to pick your battles here if the bumps and bruises set in and, and that's what's happening too that's the other part of camp it's nice to be able to see that and document it as it happens but you know, football teams aren't 100% as you get into the season because of what they go through in camp, but they're tougher for it and they're better for it. Yeah, and I don't mind when he says, quote-unquote, it's a mixed bag from the scrimmage because of that. Okay, well, good. I mean, don't get anybody hurt. Just knock on wood. Like, I, I we tend to, I think, understandably, lean on the side of, no, no, go ahead and sit them. Sit, sit anybody who's marginally dinged. I'd, we need all the horses 
come actual games. I don't care if you miss Monday's practice. You miss Thursday's practice. I mean, it's a practice. I care if it's, you know, if all of a sudden you're out a week and you're a quarterback, that's a problem. But these, yeah, like these, last year's camp. Yes, like that last got a little year's testy camp. That got yeah, ugly, you yeah. know. I mean, then, then all of a sudden you're like, really? Special teams again all day today. Hmm, that's fascinating. People begin to read between the lines at that point. This hasn't been that so far. All right, I mentioned that the coach's poll is out. The coach's poll. We'll take a look at the poll. The coach's poll. And uh, let you know where Florida State stands as, uh, as well as the other college football powers. Uh, <laughs> man, that was a... That's a toughie. We'll, we'll do so in a moment here. It's Jeff Cameron, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, Warchant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back. Good Monday, everybody. Thanks for joining us again. If you're watching on War Chant TV, like and subscribe. And on Twitter, it's at J Cameron Show. Tom and Director Matthew are here, of course. And it is time for the coaches' poll. Let's get to the coaches' poll. Uh, I, it was nice that somebody noted Lee Gordon getting the residuals all these years later. <laughs> Man, the best recorder of anything I've ever seen because his uh, get up and go mantra was before he started reading a script three, two, and one. Yeah. And then he'd go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's mesmerizing. Three, two, and one. Yeah, there was a breathy sort of here we go, is is how it went. Three, two, and one. (laughs) All right, here we go. I hope he's doing well. I think he is. Uh, Alabama, shockingly, number one in the coaches' poll. The coaches' poll. Not Florida State. But Alabama, number one. You got to guess who's two. It's Ohio State. Yep, good guess, good guess. The coaches poll. Defending national champion, Georgia, followed by Clemson. And here's where it gets interesting, right? Uh, Notre Dame, five. So it's uh, now in the teams with no chance category of the coaches poll. So you uh, read my mind. This is where even a coaches poll – the coaches poll can illuminate a problem with college football because you can agree or disagree with the order of those four, but not those four. And that's kind of how this works. It's like, oh, you want to shuffle Georgia to number one and Alabama two? You want to put Ohio State number one and Alabama five and Georgia two and Clemson three? And if you want to do that, go, go ahead. It's really four, right? I said five. But I mean, that's the problem because then from there, Every team I name, you're going to go, well, I mean, they, they can't win the national title. They could make it to the playoffs. They could take their ass kicking yeah. by one of the other teams I just named, but they can't win it. And this is too frequently the conversation that we're having with college football. And, in fact, it is worth noting we've been having this exact same conversation for a little bit too long. It's, it's, it's problematic because I will just do this so we can continue to highlight the coaches' poll. The coaches' poll. 
But when I say these teams' names in order, how quickly do you say, no shot in hell? Probably as soon as I finish it, right? Notre Dame, no shot in hell. Michigan, definitely no shot in hell. The coaches poll. Texas A&M. Mm, the West is tough. You could also argue, well, I don't know about this year for them. But I would put them in a class with Clemson if I was going to put them anywhere near that top four. Because I feel like Clemson still has tons to prove. The other three, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, they're more affixed. But, I mean, how quickly do I get to Utah, which is top ten, and you go, come on, man. Oh, but you're a big believer in the Utes. Well, they won the Pac-12 last year, as I predicted before the season began. Uh, They've made me a ton of money. They have no shot in hell. Your future national champion, Utah Utes. No chance in hell. Oklahoma, Baylor, Oklahoma State, Oregon, North Carolina. Get the We're done here. North Carolina State. Yeah. I was going to say. Oh, you got nervous. The coaches couldn't have possibly done it again. Your ears perked up. The coaches pull. Yeah. You can't do it. You can't do it. You can keep going here. I will to finish it off. Uh, Michigan State at 14. USC at 15. Come on now. Pitt at 16. Miami at 17. Miami, really? All right. Texas is the one that's most glaring where you would say, has somebody been able to prod the fraudulent goats from retirement? They went 5-7 and seven a year ago, guys. Jeez. Wake. Wisconsin, there are the goats. There they are. The visual goats. Kentucky, Cincinnati, Arkansas, Mississippi, and Houston rounding out your top 25 in the coaches' poll. Now we get down there to others receiving votes, and man, guys, I'm going to do this once and once only. All right, I just gave you 25 teams. We're not listing the whole Hold others. on, hold on, Tommy. Illustrates the vengeance that we shall feel from deep within inside. Let's let's scroll back up to number twenty there, Matthew. The coaches poll. Okay, so uh, at starting at twenty, Wisconsin, Kentucky, Cincinnati, Woopig Suey, Ole Miss, Houston, all comfortably ahead of Florida State. In fact, they are residing within the top twenty-five of those receiving votes in the coaches poll. Now. Others receiving votes. You'd be like, well, surely we're right there, just off, off the surface. We, you, you probably don't have to search far at all. Just scroll down a little bit and you'll see us. Oh, nay, nay. Nay, nay, friends. If this was listed vertically, we would be here a long time. A very long time. That would be quite the coach's poll. <laughs> here they go. Iowa. Not named Florida State. Penn State, not Florida State. Tennessee, not named Florida State. BYU, Louisiana State. Auburn, sorry ass. And they are in shambles. The coaches poll. Central Florida, North Carolina, whom Florida State pasted at Chapel Hill. San Diego State, Fresno State, Mississippi State, Florida, Utah State, Air Force, UCLA, Boise State, Appalachian State, Minnesota, Minnesota, South Carolina, K-State, Iowa State, Army, Army, Louisiana Lafayette, Southern Methodist, SMU, SMU, Purdue, Oregon State, Coastal Carolina, Texas San Antonio, the coaches poll, Texas San Antonio, the coaches poll. 
I'll slap your face, Texas San Antonio. Louisville and Florida State. <laughs> they just, that, that was a llama or an alpaca spitting in your face. That's what that poll was. That was just a get you some of this. We're going to have a little Texas San Antonio for that ass ranked ahead of Florida State. Well, we're tied with them, technically. Sorry, you're right. But not Coastal Carolina. They did receive double the votes. Double the votes of Florida State. Coastal Carolina. Oregon State. North Carolina did receive 34 times the votes <laughs> that Florida State did. Well, Louisiana State, 143 times. The- <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, times. They are tough, disrespectful, disgraceful, cruel, and unusual. I remember describing during the last decade. The analogy of the man who was once on top, doing well for himself, hit some hard times, cash-strapped, reputation sullied, meanders into the bar, has one too many to lament the days that are in his rearview mirror. As he leaves, said, uh, watering hole, it's too much, needs to take a respite. Perhaps Niels even sits down next to a back alley trash can, at which point some low life like Wake Forest sees an opportunity. Look at Florida State's drunk ass in the corner. We should kick him. Can't do anything about it. We're incapacitated, but we remember. We hold on to that tough day and night with a boot to our face. And the revenge tour becomes a thing at some point. We gather ourselves, pull ourselves up, sober up, start working out again, Tom. Remember who we are. Remember that we're Florida State University. We hold these truths to be self-evident. Son of a! That one vote that we received is an insult. Yeah. One! Leave us off the list, please. One! Leave us off the list! No reason for us to be on the list. Don't put us out there with... Texas San Antonio. Nothing against Texas San Antonio, but sweet Jesus. That is my God. So if you took my away God. if you took away Coach Norvell's votes, do we get one? Do you think it was him? Can you vote for yourself? You can. I don't coaches sometimes feel different about was that. Was it Jimbo? <laughs> <laughs> Preston, I know I'm a gambler. I was a covering machine with UTSA as well. This is no ill will to UTSA. Yeah, we were just loving on the Roadrunners last week. Mm. Mm. I might not just sit there. Go ahead, let that marinate on you for a minute. It stings, doesn't it? RS is in the jackpot now, okay? <laughs> That's just, that, oh man. The coaches poll told us to shuffle on and go get our shine box. The coaches poll. Just 
And where are the ones in the corner? Keep them here. Keep them here. Well, hopefully so. October 1st. Yeah. We'll have seen some things. Yeah. Keep them here. Jimmy's smoking that cigarette looking over. <laughs> Man. All right. All right. There it is. Mark it down. It's, we're worse off in the coaches poll this year than last, right? I think they took offense to our floundering. I think they, they thought have. better of us last Jacksonville year. State. And then we lose that game. They're like, you know what the hell with you guys? You're out here like a bunch of buffoons losing at home to Jacksonville State. I'm not getting burned again. Tommy, don't put Florida State down in my vote. Put UTSA down in their place. Southern Methodist deserves our vote better than Florida State does. Southern Methodist, put them in. I got Army winning five games. Put them down. Ahead of FSU. Coach, you want Army ranked ahead of Florida State? Oh, most assuredly. After that loss to Jacksonville State, I can never do it again. Sons of bitches. Remember where you were on this on day. On this day? What a day. What a day indeed. Keith, thank you as we go to break. Jeff, you were right about Mac Brown. That man's face looked like like a beat. He's enjoyed the all-you-can-eat buffet. I'm telling you, it's the road trip on the ACC kickoff that you got to go. For those of you that were looking for proof beyond my word, go watch the road trip specials on the ACC network. They came here. They've been to North Carolina. They've been to Syracuse and NC State, all these places. But when you watch, a lot of times they'll talk to the coach. They'll talk to players. They do, and then the one with Mac, I'm like, oh, man, this ain't good. Just wanted you guys to get caught up. You can see it. So you, that way you're not shocked when it happens. That way you're just kind of like, oh, well, we saw this coming. Like you warning us about Arnold Palmer. That's all it is. Yeah, that's true. We were just like, well, that day was coming. Tom noticed it two years ago. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it was like a matter of months. <laughs> no, I think it was more than a year. Because remember, he was still at the ceremonial. I think it was that same year because Bay Hill was before. Because uh, Jack's crying. Jack's out there the first tee at Augusta a month later, six weeks later, and he's crying on the first tee. It was six weeks. Bay Hill. Bay Hill's in, um, well, it might no. be three, four weeks later. Bay Hill's in March. It was just before Augusta. Was it? Yeah. Maybe I got turned around because of Augusta being in November of the year before. I'm trying to think. With the, oh, this is, I mean, yeah. Arnold's been gone four or five years now. Has he? It's Jeff Cameron, show 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. So, I kind of handle in stride the besmirching of Florida State football in its recent state. And I can understand that it's part and parcel to the uh, college football existence, the arc of one fan, right, who will watch his team over a lifetime. And you would understand that in that lifetime, the likelihood that there are going to be some lean years are a given. Everybody has to understand that the most prolific of franchises and certainly universities are not going to sustain a level of excellence every year that you're alive. It's not going to happen. 
In fact, there are going to be many years that you're like, hmm, out here in the woods again. Just lost. Give me the map. So the frustrations, you know, over time with age comes a little bit of wisdom, hopefully, and you learn to accept that. You learn to say, all right, you know what? Hey, we had it better than most. Better than most. It's true. Very few, if you're anywhere close to my age, have ever been a fan of anything that was as successful as Florida State. Very few. For that stretch, I've been going to games uh, I'm 51. I've been going to games since I was nine, eight years old. So 79, 80. So from about that time to this time, my God, did I see some winning. More than you have a right to, right? Seems only fitting we'd have this conversation on the anniversary of Bobby Bowden's passing. And you go through this and you say, golly, that's, that's remarkable. That, you know, I, I've, I've seen three national championship victories. I've been to countless others. I've been to the college football playoff. The success of this program took me to uh, the Fiesta Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, the Rose Bowl, the Orange Bowl, and all of those just beneath. All of those things are true. So why do I bring it up? Well, it's odd to me, but every now and again, usually it's somebody who doesn't know their history popping off, and you go, oh, wait, no, 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 no. I'm not going to let that stand. You're going off half-cocked. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. Allow me to retort. Now, usually, especially when it comes from dummies, you just ignore any sort of besmirching, as I said at the outset, of your, of the institution, right? You're kind of like, okay, well, have your fun. It'll come back around. Ass-kickings will be delivered again. Your program, the team you're rooting for, has never had the sustained success we have. It's okay. I understand your frustration. You feel less than. I get it. You have to do this now. But for some reason today when the coach's poll came out, Tom, I was like, all right, now that's it. I mean, damn it, man. 55th, dude. I mean, God, dog. Just. We've got to embrace that number this year now, 55. I mean, that, that, I, that, that inspires me to tell people things I can't repeat on these airwaves, to say things. That I cannot say on these airwaves. I mean, I shouldn't. I should yuck it up and laugh it off. And to some degree I am. But damn, man. 50. Okay. Okay. What's interesting about it is that when you, you know, it's just a coach's poll. It's just a coach's poll. But to think of where we sit in the collective thought, the collective minds of the coaches of college football and those doing their voting, because <laughs> most of them aren't. When we talk about the mighty has fallen, I mean, 55, 78th, what's the difference? At that point, you're just throwing a bunch of slap, slappies. Bunch of slappies. A bunch of slappies all over. I mean, just whatever. Randomly pick suck-ass teams from all over the land at that point to fulfill 55 through 100. Just go grab anybody. Whatever. San Diego State. Okay, throw them out there. Same team. Really? Oh, man. Tell you what. I would be stunned if that were to turn out to be true. It would be devastating. It would also be, um, obviously, the, the, the beginning of the end, and we'd be starting over again. You don't believe they're the 55th I don't team. believe that, no. I don't believe that. That's why I'm not worried about it, per se. I'm just... 
I, it's interesting. It's very interesting. It stirs something from within that, that that's how far. Now, we've earned the status of less than, of not mattering, of being inconsequential as of late. We have earned that. I mean, when you're finishing the bottom of the barrel in the Atlantic and you can't finish above 500 on the field, who the hell do you, you know? Who, why are you going to be paid attention to it all? We don't spend our time on teams like that, save for when we're gambling and taking advantage of matchups. We don't ever sit around thinking about the teams that are out there wandering in the in the forest, as I say, ranked 65th, 74th, you know that kind of thing. We don't. We don't bother with them. But even in the lost decade, and while we were down, I thought we were inconsequential. I thought we were incredibly frustrating to watch. It was a sad thing to watch play out, given the great heights we had reached. All of that was true, but I never felt like we'd fall into a place where UTSA would be on equal footing, at least any of those voters, college coaches in this case. Well, that's a preseason poll. I'm sure they were ahead of us and teams like them for the latter, you know, the better part of the last three years. I mean, it's, it's something. And they'd be right to be. That's the thing. We have been that bad. Well, But what happens with national media pundits, or in this case coaches who you're saying, and I agree with, have their sports information directors or somebody else cast these votes for them, they're always late to the party. They're late when you're good, and they're, and they're late, late when, when you're bad. bad. How many times in the last decade yes. were we preseason top 10 or top 12? All the time. And it was fraudulent every year, like Wisconsin was for well, so long. remember... I preached this point a lot over the years. I would bang my hand, quite literally back then, on the table. They don't know, guys. We're about to be really good. Like, if you go to Fisher flipping recruiting and how quickly we got, say, how fast we went from 09 to 2012, where all of a sudden you're like, it's on. We're starting to stockpile talent. Yeah, we came up disappointing in 2012, but disappointing meant an Orange Bowl victory and 10 wins. You know, you were on the cusp of being a dominant program again. But when we were falling off, I was the first to yell, it's falling apart, folks. It's all unraveling. This is not good. And we would be preseason ranked top five, top four, top three, top ten. I'm like, no, man. That ship has sailed. The plane is in the side of the mountain. We're in trouble. We've got to make changes. And that led to controversy and all that stuff. We don't want to go over that now. But the point is, you're right. That is true. That is something. And that's true of every market. Because when you're on the floor, when you're on the ground, when you're watching it, you can you can begin to sense when things are turning around, not just from a talent distribution standpoint, but also an overall collective, a mentality, right, of, of, of belief and those kinds of things. So I think we believe that things are beginning to turn. We do question on a daily basis whether, you know, to, to what degree is this talent capable of taking us? They've got to get better. They need better players. I know they just got a, a four-star running back to commit over the weekend. That's great. But we're still looking at recruiting, and we're wanting, we're lacking. The problem is it's a catch-22 because the recruiting ain't going to get better unless you win some games. So this this desire to see this flip to a place where all of a sudden you can be competitive into the top 25, top 15, well, that requires better players and more of them, and you're not going to get those guys in mass the way you need to unless you start winning some games. So this, this is, again, all adds up to what a pivotal season and uh, we're about to embark on. Top 25 is attainable for at least some point in time this, this season. Sure. It is. Well, if you I finish 8-4, and four, you're going to finish in the top 25. Look, look at those teams that are ahead of us. And look, uh, you know, in the current top 25 in the coaches' poll, four teams that we play this year are in that top 25. Yeah. Um, and you th- I mean, look, Wake is here. Saying look a lot. Is that my new crutch? Wake is coming to town. That's a winnable game. They're in the top 20. Miami, I know we go down there, but we just got done beating them with... Van Dyke last year. 
You could stun him in November. Wouldn't be crazy. I, 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 would, I don't know that I'd pick us right now, but it wouldn't be nuts to consider that. So if you're saying that you're capable right now of beating two teams that are in the top 20, then yes, on, on a given week, I, I think, then you're in a position where if you win enough of the 50-50 battles, you could scare not just the others receiving votes, but maybe 21 to 25 at some point this season. It'd be huge. It would absolutely be huge. It would signif you know, signify certainly a shift in where this the direction of the program is going. It's interesting. When you go through and you analyze the top 25, the coaches poll, Michigan, the defending Big Ten champion and a playoff participant last season, will start at number six, followed by another SEC challenger, Texas A&M. Utah coming off an historic Pac-12 title campaign begins at eight. Highest ever starting point for the program's history. Big 12 claims the next three positions. Oklahoma number nine. Obviously, its lowest preseason Ranking since 2015. Baylor at 10. Oklahoma State rounding out the top 12. Uh, that's interesting. Three SEC contenders then from there. And then we get all the way down here. The ACC is next with five ranked teams. And it's just disappointing once again and a reminder where we're at. Five ranked teams out of the ACC. Number 13, North Carolina State, who I think an awful lot of. I think that's a tall task to beat them on the road this year. Wake Forest, as you noted, it's number 19. That's here, claiming their highest preseason ranking ever. Defending league champ Pitt, getting its uh, highest starting position at number 16 since 2010. But as we go through those teams, you'll just note none of them are FSU, and that continues to sting. All right, it's time to kick down that door and ensure that that's not the case next year when we're sitting here talking about the coach's poll. Let me set an over-under for you for Clemson. Talking about programs that crumble and maybe there's some rust showing. I'm going to set their over-under for final ranking in the top 25 coaches poll after the bowl games and the playoff is over at 7.5. Where do you think Clemson's going to fall when the season's over? Are they in the top 7 or are they 8 or worse? This comes down to two factors. It comes down to the quarterback which did not play well last year at all, and whether or not he rebounds or how quickly they pull the plug on DJ. And a coaching staff that has seen an awful lot of change. So there are variables here that we do not know, meaning do those coaches allow for continuity? That's the goal when you stay in-house, which is what he did. Bobby Bowden did it better than most for a very, 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 very long period of time. Guys didn't come and go, and if guys left, they were replaced by guys in-house for the most part. And that allowed for said continuity. Most coaches, if they can have their druthers, would like to do it that way. It raised an eyebrow uh, that that's what he chose because some of the guys elevated are perceived from others to maybe not be ready for those roles. But talent isn't what's in question. Only a quarterback do you look and say, hmm, is he going to take that step forward? But there's talent behind him at quarterback. They're better on the offensive line. They're still good at running back. They're still good at wide receiver, and they're really good on defense, which we know. It's a long-winded way for me to arrive at a point. Uh, it's close, isn't it? It's a good number because I think they're going to lose a game they shouldn't. But I also don't think they've fallen off a cliff. The defense is good enough to carry them to 10. Well, it but did thing, a year ago. It did a year ago. Right. The thing is that 
talent isn't everything when it comes to finishing in the top 10. And when programs are falling apart, they're oftentimes still very talented. It's just that things behind the scenes are beginning right. to fall apart. So if you think that's the direction that Clemson is headed, that they have seen their historic window of greatness, and it is the greatest window in the program's history, and that is now closed, and that they will still remain relevant for the next, whatever, five to seven years because the residual talent is such that they must. They're just good, and it's a, it's the ACC. It's not a lot of great teams in this league. They ought to win 9-10 games as they did a year ago despite being flawed, terribly flawed. It just feels a little bit closer to me. From afar, from afar, I don't cover them every day, to maybe the 2015 Knowles than yeah, you know, the 2013 Yeah, it does feel that way. It, it feels like... And that well, team was fine. That team, actually, I liked that group because they played really hard and they had some defense. shortcomings. But remember, when we talked about that team, we were kind of like, hmm, I'm getting... This was the first time we ever got into these kind of inner fan debates where we were starting to question, you know, pre-Jameis and now post-Jameis, we're not seeing... Yeah, well, the pro that was the Georgia Tech game was the problem for that team, period. Now, they didn't care to be there against Houston because they played in the playoff and the championship the but two years prior. But these were all prior. signs of crumbling... Yeah crumbling uh, character and, and, to me, locker room stability. That, that's what those were indicators of. I was double-checking Clemson's schedule to see if there was this insane game I was unaware of. They do have the road game against Notre Dame. Should be a great game, by the way. Hour number two, forthcoming. Stay with